Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Podcast, everybody. I'm Kaylee Fretz, back for another week. I've got most of the usual crew, with one notable exception today. James is up... I don't know what he's doing. He's going skiing or... I don't know. It's not working today. And in his place, we have... I think this is your first time in the regular podcast, Ronan. I cannot remember. But we have Ronan McLaughlin, who is our latest tech writer uh, and chief Irish border correspondent, which I think is what we're going to be asking you about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which I think is what we're going to be asking you about later. You can actually look out your window and see the border, right? Well... At the moment, it's still invisible. Very, very sketchy topics are being <laughs> heard right now. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I, being being the, the newest imposter here onto the podcast, I have no idea how to how to come back. So yeah, this is this is uh, treacherous treacherous waters here. We'll just move on. When we start talking about something that we probably shouldn't be talking about, we just change the subject. That's how we do it here at Cyclotips Podcast. With that, we also have Abby. How are you, Abby? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Glad to hear it. Dane, uh, keeping your usual wild sleep schedule. I saw you were sending Slack messages at like 3 o'clock in the morning last night, and now you're awake. It's 8 yeah. o'clock in the morning. I mean, we had to plan the, the time that this podcast was going to happen, so I had to always got to check sometime in the middle of the night what's going on. So Taking take one for the team. And Shoddy Dave, how are you down in the corner there? You got some snow there in France? Oh, yeah, it's superb. Uh, superb to look at, terrible to ride in. Well, we've got quite a bit to talk about today. We're going to run through the news as usual. Lots went on last week. And then we're going to hear an interview with Annemiek van Vluten that Abby, well, actually, I think technically hasn't done yet. So we're assuming that this happens. But I sometime in the... It. You have done it? I've done it. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking this to her after this. Really, well, we're really off to it. Quite... <laughs> It's James's absence. It really it just throws me for a loop. I don't know what to do anymore. He's actually James is in my ear the whole time telling me what to say, and when he's not here, I just don't I just don't know what to do. I get totally That's lost. That's why he's so quiet all the time. It's why he's so quiet. He's just sitting there telling me what to say. Yep. Anyway, let's move into the news. We've got Dane Cash as always with the news. Whole bunch on my list here today, Dane. We've got well, we've got a bunch of Bora riders hit by a car. Velto San Juan canceled. Rigo and his toes. Let's start with the uh, the hit by a driver incident. A driver hit some riders who were at a team camp, a Bora Heinzgrau team camp in northern Italy. What happened there? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it basically. Uh, I believe it was an SUV uh, who hit a group of Bora Heinzgrau riders uh, while they were out on a training ride. Uh, a number of them were hurt. Uh, Wilco Kelderman suffered a concussion. That's... Uh, Last year, year to tell you, third place finisher. Uh, broke vertebrae as well. Uh, Andreas Schillinger also injured, broke vertebrae. Um, and Rudiger Selig, I think, got a concussion as well out of it. So that's a number of riders who, who were hurt in the incident. Uh, yeah, hit well on a ride. Do, do we have any sort of details of how it happened? I mean, were they just sort of mowed down from behind? It sounds like it was, it was a group of seven... So quite a large group of riders. I mean, something went went horribly wrong, right? Yeah, from what I was reading, uh, from from the early reports, basically the the, the driver, you know, and this is according to the team, the, the driver uh, or riders of the team, I, I think just didn't look when he was uh, driving uh, mm. a, a after a stop sign, and uh, yeah, For, I mean, fortunately, as far as I know, 
that's the extent of the injuries. Uh, I mean, it, I guess it could have been worse considering how many people were hit. Uh, right. But that, that's what we know the extent of the injuries are uh, as of Monday morning. So It's not the first training crash. At, well, at a training camp, we've seen like that. Remember back in 2016, John Degenkob and the uh, giant Alperson team come a real cropper and got cleaned up well and truly by uh, some uh, woman, a about 75-year-old woman driving a car around Spain. and On the wrong side of the road. See him. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. I'm not going to go down that route. Politics <laughs> and um, driving on the wrong side of the road. But yeah, that really, um, that put a stop to John's season, or early season at least. That almost ended his career, really. Yeah. And and a couple of the other riders on that team as well. It took them years to bounce back from that. So really, really grateful that these guys aren't as injured as that because that was such a horrendous crash when that happened. Still nasty, though, and we wish... Still nasty, for sure. We wish all the best to everybody who hit the deck, hit the car, uh, hit anything in that particular incident. And we hope everybody's back and good to go by well, by the, by the time the season kicks off, which segues into our next topic here, which is more and more races getting canceled that were supposed to happen over this winter. Uh, what's what's latest on the list, Dane? And when is the season actually starting now? Like, what what are when is the bike race season happening? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, and most of the, the main big targets that, that a lot of the pros have for January, like the Tour Down Under, and then the Vuelta San Juan. I mean, a lot of tours. A lot of the riders either go to one or the other of those races to start their season. Uh, both of those won't be happening. Uh, we knew about the Tour de Honor already, but uh, San Juan's been, been canceled uh, down in Argentina. Uh, to answer your question... Uh, Is it think, the UAE Tour? Well, I think some riders will get their, their season started a little bit earlier than that. You have, like, Etoile de Bessege, uh coming up. That's you know one option. Uh, Mallorca races also uh, aren't, won't be happening when, when planned. Uh, but they, they do have the Volta la Comunitat Valenciana, so there's that as well. I think that that's why the Bessege, uh Tour de la Provence will be another one. I think Algarve is still Algarve is still on. Yeah. Uh, getting into February, I think some of those races are still on the calendar for now. Whether they are still there in February, we'll find out. Hasn't a bunch of this stuff gotten moved to May? Like, isn't May just going to be insane now? Yeah, they have moved a, f- a few races to May. That that is true. That is true. Um, I think, you know, I think May's actually not that bad of a time, just because not everybody's going to ride the Giro. Although, we'll talk about it in a little bit how a lot of people will be riding the Giro. Tends to be quite quiet in general, other than the Giro. Yeah. Bit of inside information here. We've heard rumors on the Great Round here in France that there could be. Um, a general lockdown come February, mid-February, just after the school holidays. It's a not it's a long way out, but that does mess big style with a lot of the French races. And Tour de la Provence, for instance, that starts around the 10th, 11th of February. So that would probably be scrapped if rumours are true. So it looks like we could just be going back to the good old days when Paris-Nice was the, the proper <laughs> season opener. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Provence was another one. It was sort of like one of those old school, old school season openings, right? Kind of before the the increased globalization of the sport sent the sent racing to the Middle East and to Australia and, and San Juan and places like that. You know, back in the in the old days, the, the early races were all just Southern Europe and Provence is one of those. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, that could be. 
we're not holding our breath for pretty much anything this season. I think that's that's the way that we're going to approach this. And we're if a bike race happens, we're we're there and we're ready to we're ready to cover it. And if it doesn't happen, then we'll just talk about something else. <laughs> We've got I lots would, of things in our back pocket this year. I would love it if it, we went back to good old days in some ways and seeing the riders rock up to these early season races like well overweight. Like now everyone's <laughs> everyone's rocking up, super pinging, super ready to rock and roll. But yeah, back in the day, they'll turn up in jerseys that had to be two sizes too big. I still remember to this day going to the Tour Down Under in 2000, I want to say four, 2004, and seeing Dario Pieri. Oh, you've never, it was incredible how big he was. He got lapped <laughs> twice at the People's Choice Classic. And then by... And then by stage which is four, a which is a crit like it's a downtown yeah. crit that you should pretty much just be able to sit in if, if you're in any way fit. And then by stage four, he stood at the side of the road in Handorf at the finish at the finish line before the race had even finished, just playing with a wallaby. And I was like, "Yeah, he's come for a bit of an holiday, Annie." The good old days. Now it's different. We got all these training camps going. All these guys are pretty fit. Abby, I bet Tom's pretty fit already, right? Don't those they 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 start so early now? They're sort of like full gas from January. I couldn't do it personally. Next on the list, is that a no comment? You're not commenting on the fitness of Tom's right now. I, <laughs> I there is like people. Uh, I made the huge mistake of reading the reviews of this podcast, and people complained about me talking about Tom's too much. Which I was with my mom when I was reading this review, and my mom was like, "You actively avoid talking about Tom's when other people bring him up." And I was like, "I know, I do. He doesn't like it when I talk about him because he listens to the podcast." And so I'm choosing not to answer. He's a pro rider and you're an inside source. I feel like it is perfectly fine. I agree. <laughs> for you to sometimes talk about Tom's. Certainly, certainly you don't talk about Tom's too much. I, those reviewers, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Screw it. Let, let's get some t-shirts made with Tom's face on it and have him as a mascot from now on. <laughs> He's already kind of a mascot of the podcast, I would say. I think so. Yeah. This is like the, the second time that you've been wanting to get a Tom's t-shirt made, Shoddy. You want the, the oh, Scoogins hip, tips? <laughs> or are you, gonna pull, got, are you wearing got, your Tom's t-shirt right now? I, I am. I turn around. There's the red. <laughs> <laughs> what a chance. That's amazing. That's I feel amazing. Like, I feel like we could do an episode sometime where we just read mean tweets and mean reviews about our podcast. That would be hilarious. There, Some of them are quite mean. Like... Yeah. I, it makes me wonder, like, why why did you listen for so long if you <laughs> hated it so much? <laughs> why did you take the time to tell us how much you dislike all of us? Okay, go for it. We're not changing. <laughs> you want to delve into the YouTube reviews. That's where it's interesting. Oh, man. <laughs> and after today's intro, we're bound to have so many more from this side of the water as well. So... <laughs> Yet another accent that nobody can understand, right? We 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 get that one somewhat frequently, which I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just used to you now, Shoddy. But I feel like you're quite easy to understand, even for the you know the lazy American ear here. I thought you talked about Dane. <laughs> I've often heard I am very difficult to understand. If you like if you like this podcast, go give us a positive review. Go tell us how great. 
this podcast is if you listen all the time, don't be one of those weirdos who listens all the time and then just complains about having to listen to the free podcast that gets sent to you. <laughs> all right. That's enough of my rant. Uh, <laughs> the next thing on my list here, next thing on my list here, Dane, uh, Rigo broke his toe. How did he do this? Yeah, Rigo got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom uh, and uh, broke his toe on the edge of his bed. So he said on Instagram. Uh, and it was a pretty bad break. Uh, he shared the x-rays and it doesn't look like it was very pleasant. I mean, breaking your baby toe on the edge of the bed doesn't ever seem pleasant, but it, it looks pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, Rigo got a little off-season injury. Um, and then he took some steps to uh, ameliorate the pain. Um, pretty impressive. I don't know if it actually worked. Uh, his his first reaction when he actually got on the bike after doing this was it didn't look like it was the best. Uh, but yeah, he cut a hole in his shoe uh, to just allow his toe to breathe the free air. Uh, and yeah, I, I hope it's working for him. <laughs> Guess we'll find out early season. You know whether he's in shape. Yeah. While I haven't broken a toe, I did once while sleeping on the kitchen floor for a week that's a different story but i did once get <laughs> bit on the small toe by a spider in belgium um and it was about a week before the tour of britain and i had to do the same thing cut the front out of my uh, out of my shoe oh uh, showing can, a photo oh yeah, look at I that i can confirm it it works quite well uh, it's, <laughs> it's actually quite nice um, it's really improves the ventilation so there, there you go. A cycling tip yeah. from your Cycling Tips podcast. If you get bitten by a spider after sleeping on the floor of a Belgian kitchen, cut out the front of your shoe. Or if you stub your toe in the middle of the night in Colombia, cut out the toe of your shoe. It increases ventilation and increases space. And it's much more comfortable. No, I was going to say, there is that urban myth that you break your toe like seven, your little toe like seven times a year without realizing it. So, hey, look, you might as well do it. It's, I feel it, like I would know. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> he like really, really broke his toe. Like really broke it. And the like reason that I included this in the news was because we're all Iran fans here. Mm-hmm. And I saw this news Iran and I was fonts. like, oh, it started. It started. <laughs> like, <laughs> season's not even, like, we don't even know when the racing will begin. And the bad news from the Iran camp is already rolling in. But I feel like this is just going to mean that he's timed his form perfectly for the Tour de France now. He's going to be a little bit delayed mm. through the winter. He's not going to come into the Tour mm. too hot. Perfect timing. And maybe the Tour will be postponed and then it'll be even better. Exactly. It's all yeah. meant to be. It's all Everything meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Moving on from toe-related problems, uh, we have more cancellations. The Colorado Classic here in Colorado will not happen in 2021. Who has more information on what happened here? Yeah, the Colorado Classic is uh, is canceled for 2021. They went in the press release. They used the word postponed, so they're still hoping to have it in 2022. They were one of the races that really was holding on to like the very last string trying to have a race in 2020 and finally had to cancel the race in 2020 and then tried to do kind of a fundraising thing for the teams that wouldn't be able to race. Um, But this year they're going for the opposite approach, which is just canceling it 
in January when the race is in August. So they're they're really getting in front of this one. Do we have any indication as to as to whether there were sort of money issues or sponsor issues for this year? Because so they had VF Corporation is sort of the big presenting sponsor. At least it was supposed to be last year. VF owns like the North Face and icebreaker vans shoes etc like it's a, it's a big 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 company and i would assume that if they're sticking around as sort of corporate sponsor that there is a pretty good chance that this race comes back in 2022 but if that particular sponsor is pulled out then the chance of a return in 2022 drops considerably do we have any idea whether they're still around that is not something that they said in the press release about the race being postponed. Um, so as far as as far as we know, it's just they they tried so hard in 2020 to have the race. And I think with the possibility that the race isn't going to be able to happen this year with the state of everything going on in the U.S. Um, and and that there's really no racing announced in the U.S. as of yet. I think they kind of were just like, well, we might as well bite the bullet. Right. Um, I mean, the, the logo on the on the press release email still says presented by VF Corporation. So I think that's a good sign, yeah. good that, sign. This, that this might actually return in 2022. Because let's be honest, most of the time, 99 times out of 100, when a race says we're canceling this year and we're coming back next year, they do not come back it next year. It never comes back. It's yeah. true. It's very true. I'm still waiting for Tour California to come back. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but but this is it's 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 more feasible. This is a, a more unique circumstance. We've got the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's possible that we could have this race back next year, and it's a race that we love. So you know, those of us, particularly here in Colorado, we would love to see this thing back. I I think that this is a pandemic related postponement of the race, and that this isn't. I I get the feeling this isn't a money thing so definitely really really hope that this race does come back because as you said it's it's huge to cycling in the u.s and also the women's calendar in the u.s it's one of the only standalone uh women's uci races in the u.s if not the only women's standalone race uh uci race in the u.s so really really hope that this plus it's colorado you love colorado it's the best some riders went to prison dane on their way. Uh, they're, they're, they're not there yet. They're yeah, going to A number of people prison. involved with yeah. the, uh, the blood doping ring at the center of the Operation Adderlass scandal are going to prison. Uh, that, that was the news of the last week. And, and so first we had news that Stefan Denifel, the Austrian cyclist, uh, he was sentenced to prison. Um, 24 total months, I believe 16 of those months were suspended uh, and also fined. He was fined as well. Uh, for fraud was the charge um, in, in an Austrian court. He was one of the many athletes, and not just cyclists, of course, there were other athletes, uh, skiers as well, um, who had been engaged in blood doping uh, through this blood doping ring. Um, and then we found out a couple of days after that uh, that the doctor at the sort of the, the middle of all of this, uh, Mark Schmidt, a German doctor, was sentenced to prison time as well. Um, and that's, I mean, that's uh, certainly not the end of all of this, but I think that was the, the big thing that a lot of people were waiting for was what was going to happen to, to the doctor himself. Um, prison term of 
four years and 10 months for Mark Schmidt. Uh, Munich court found him guilty of a number of different doping-related uh, charges, causing dangerous bodily harm uh, for injecting a, a substance not approved for human use um, into an athlete. Also got a big fine. Uh, and then some accomplices, including his father, uh, were either fined or given suspended prison sentences. So this is all about two years after the, the sort of the police raids that kind of started all this this saga, if you will, off uh, the raids at the Nordic World Ski Championships in Austria, and then raids in Erfurt, Germany, where Schmidt uh, was based, uh, found blood bags and all this other stuff, and that started this big this big story, and here we are now, uh, yeah, just under two years um, later, and Schmidt is going to prison. The the going to prison part is somewhat somewhat unusual. Generally, in in the past, people have not gone to actual prison uh, for doping related offenses, whether they were the actual doper or the dope doctor or whatever. It's it's pretty rare, uh, and I wonder if it will have a if it will have an effect at all, you know on. I don't know. I guess that you're sort of getting into like the philosophy of uh, of punishment at that point. Like, like is this going to be a deterrent or not uh, for others who might consider doing something similar? Is actual jail time the kind of deterrent that may actually work? I don't know the answer to that, but I think that you know these somewhat mild jail times. It's not like they're going to you know not like they're going away for life, right? Could potentially you know kind of change change the calculus uh, for people who would be considering doing something illegal like this. Uh, as a sort of side note, the U.S. also just passed a law uh, indicating that you could also go to jail for, well, not so much the doper, but the dopey, the the, the doctors and, and folks involved in moving the drugs around and giving them to athletes and things like that. You could potentially go to jail in the United States for that uh, as of this fall. So, Big bit of a push, both in Europe and here, for increased punishment for those involved in systemic doping. The, the U.S. one is definitely a sort of reaction to uh, some of the larger doping scandals and really the inability to, to hold the, the people behind the scenes of those to account, right? Um which has been a which has been an issue, you know, like a, a lot of the people that were that were sort of helping organize all this stuff. Never really got the book thrown at them, and now they, they may be able to. Dane, you've got three minutes before you need to go. Who are you talking to this morning? Uh, whoever from Israel Startup Nation is at their press conference. Uh, <laughs> I think Chris Froome's going to be there. I think Chris Froome's definitely going to be there, but other people will be there. So you gotta go, you got to go talk to Chris Froome in now two minutes. What's last on our news list here today? It's quite a busy last thing on the news because it's really a bunch of different things. It's a, it's a bunch so of why people don't you just, saying... Just throw it at us, and then you can leave, and we'll just talk about it without you. Yeah, all right. A number of riders, as usually happens this time of year, have already started talking about their plans, what Grand Tours are going to race for 2021. Uh, yeah, so we've got Thibaut Pino is not going to go to the Tour, apparently. That's what the reports are. Uh, I think he's going to race the Giro. Is he getting his French citizenship removed? He's a big fan of, you know, he's a big fan of Italy. I believe, don't quote me on this. Okay, I guess it's recorded, so I'm going to get recorded. Uh, I think he's got a, some sort of Italian-related tattoo. Uh, he's a big fan of Italy. Uh, he loves. You can't Italy. go off the record on a podcast, Dave. Yeah, it let's go off the record like here. Let's, uh, <laughs> add, let's just edit all this out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you've got Pino apparently not uh, going to race the tour. That's what we're hearing right now. 
Uh, Simon Yates uh, reported in Cycling News uh, that uh, Matt White over at Bike Exchange said that uh, Simon Yates likely going to race the Giro and the Tour ahead of the Olympics. Uh, we have the Trek team is going to be heavily focused on the the Giro. We've heard I think we've heard this as of last week. We heard about. Uh, Balcomolema and Vincenzo Nibali both doing the Giro and the Tour. That's the plan. Giulio uh, Ciccone is going to race uh, the Vuelta. Uh, Joao Almeida also going to race the Vuelta. That's the target of his. And then one of the big things we heard just the last couple of days was Egan Bernal, uh, according to La Gazzetta, saying that he is looking at possibly starting the Giro d'Italia. And he said this before. I mean, it's a race that he has wanted to start for a long time. I mean, he's spent the beginning of his career in Italy. Plenty of experience racing on Italian roads. Uh, yeah, we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, but just a number of riders basically saying they're going to do the Giro. Uh, maybe the Tour as well, but Giro first. I feel like riders just like the idea of doing the Giro, and then the sort of reality of the season hits, and, and the reality of their bosses hits, and their boss is like, no, you're not doing the Giro. You're going to the Tour de France. This is how we do this. I also think in many cases it's riders who are saying, I don't think this is true for Egon Bernal, but I think it's uh, in, in a lot of other cases is the riders are saying, I don't really have a chance to win the Tour de France, so I might as well race the Giro instead or first as my main target. We're seeing that more and more, I think, riders just kind of taking themselves out of uh, contention at the Tour because they know they probably wouldn't be anyway. Um, I think there are a lot of riders for whom that's the case as well. Go ask Chris Room if he's doing the Giro. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Easy. And mm. see if he knows, um, what's her name? Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, sure. It's all, all coming together. Questions. I'll bring all these to, yeah, to the press conference. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye, Dan. Yeah, if anybody's wondering about that Nicole, Nick, not Nicole Cook, no, Nicole Kidman reference, well, a couple of episodes back, no, 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 no. Don't remind Kaylee. Don't remind Kaylee. He's challenged Abby to try and no, get an no, interview no, no, with no. her. Oh, that's right. No, Talk you about... and Ian. Ian still, Ian. Uh, Ian still owes me a review of Rad, the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, she's not in Rad, though. She's in BMX Bandit. D- Dane leaves. We just immediately change the subject away from bike racing and to BMX Bandits. <laughs> Well, with Dane gone, do we want to discuss this, this, the Giro and the Tour? Or, or we had talked about having a bit of a debate, didn't we, Abby? Maybe when we get Dane back, we can edit that into the podcast later. That is the plan. Okay, let's do that. We'll leave it there then. <laughs> hey, he might have some inside information by then after chatting to. That's through. true. I mean, I'm let's let's be honest. I'm losing this debate either way. So, <laughs> I come into this. Like, yeah, I'm bringing a knife to We won't know until here. Monday if you've lost the debate. That's true. That's true. But Everyone no, I've lost the debate. Everyone has a full week to vote. Yeah. <laughs> you, come in, you come into it like Froome comes into the welter in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That well, is that a is great a blow, analogy. Blow. <laughs> <laughs> Through the magic of editing, we have regained Dane and dropped the baggage that is Shoddy and Ronan, a.k.a. the uh, accents that no one can understand. All of our UK or- listeners are just tuning out. They're, they're shutting the podcast <laughs> off. They're unsubscribing. <laughs> just, man. 
Are UK listeners? Are UK listeners are the ones that that seem to dislike Shoddy's accent the most? Actually, I think most Americans love Shoddy's accent, but they're like, wow, I don't know. There's like more intra-British accentism that happens over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the record, I think Shoddy's accent is sweet. Shoddy's accent is sweet. Shoddy is my mom's favorite podcast voice i think shoddy's everyone's okay. mom's favorite podcast voice anyway before we continue on this tangent we are introducing a new segment to the podcast today and we don't have a name quite yet so we will need help naming it but i have a proposal kaylee has a proposal my, my proposed segment. name is who's wronger this time so come up with something better than that <laughs> so for the time being it is who's wronger this time and we are going to debate something Every week, the topic will change, or every other week, or what so have you. When we have these debates, the topic will change. And we we pick two members of the Cycling Tips podcast crew to debate debate something that is either live, has to do with the week's events in cycling, or, I don't know, is was The Last Jedi a good movie? No. Yes. The answer is yes. Okay, and, we'll get to that one next time. <laughs> so, this is going to be the first of our debates we'll see how it goes the contestants in corner number one we have the editor-in-chief mr kaylee fretz (laughs) i'm so ready in corner number two we have news editor extraordinaire writer of approximately a billion stories dan cash Thanks for giving me a couple extra titles there, because editor in chief that already put me at like a slight disadvantage. But I, being extraordinaire, I don't know that brings me back up a little bit. I think exactly. And basically, the rules of the debate are: I am going to decide in a couple minutes or in a thirty seconds who is going to go first, and that person is going to debate something, and then the other person will follow with their debate. And then after that, both people get to argue against the other person. Each person has a minute per argument to debate. Kaylee didn't read the rules already. I know he didn't. I spent I spent like a day thinking of all the rules and writing them down in a spreadsheet. I already know Kaylee didn't read it. I have very important things to do that are not yeah. reading rules. Yeah. <laughs> And then at the end of the debate, it will be you, the listeners, who get to choose who is more wronger. Who is wrongerer? Wrongest. Who is the least wrong? Most wrong. No. Who won the debate? Well, I think they're going to choose both because inherently you choose who wins and loses by picking one. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You get to choose both. So... At the end of the debate, there will be a Twitter poll on the Twitter. So when the podcast goes live, you can vote on who you think was has put forth a better argument, who is the least wrong in the debate. And we will announce the winner on next week's podcast. Kaylee always makes me feel super insecure when I'm doing these kinds of things because he's over there making weird faces. And I'm, I'm just trying to explain. This is why I never get to explain the rules when we play Sellers of Catan. Because everyone's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> so, do, are you both clear on the rules? I'm clear. Yeah. I'm clear. I'm clear. Okay. I like. I like who like the le- the least wronger thing because I feel like we're both gonna end up being wrong. 
but it's mm-hmm. who can be the least wrong. That's that's generally it's kind of an overarching theme of the entire Cyclintus podcast is trying Far to be as, as well. unwrong un- as possible. Yeah, least it's wrong. true. Yeah, yep. yeah. So the topic of today's debate, the first debate that we have, is given all the new Grand Tour GC ambitions that have been announced in the last week that we just talked about on the podcast we got a bunch of people who are targeting the Giro and the Vuelta very little people that are targeting the tour so far but we can pretty much summarize who hasn't said anything yet who will probably be riding the tour there's a lot of information out there so based on the information that we have so far about who is riding what grand tours which grand tour is going to be the most exciting so that's the, the topic of the debate, is which Grand Tour, based on the riders that we know, is going to be the most exciting? Yes, Kaylee's raising your I hand. Would, I would like a, a, a point of clarification. So most exciting is the determinant here. It is not like best mm. or anything like that. It's just most, ex- like mo- as a fan, most exciting. I don't know. Dane, how do you feel about the most exciting versus the best? Does that change your preparation at all? I didn't prepare, so I prepared either way. I know yeah. that's why I'm asking Dane because I know that in that, that, in that case, no, that's prepared. that's fine. We're good to go. <laughs> okay, so I th- I'm thinking of a number between one and one hundred. I will let Dane go first because his he has less titles. Uh, okay. Let's say uh, let's say ninety nine. All right, Kaylee, think of a number between one and one hundred, or tell me a number. Ninety eight. Really? <laughs> All right, Kaylee is the winner because I picked fifty. So. <laughs> Kaylee is going to go first in this debate. Kaylee has one minute to debate which Grand Tour he thinks is going to be the best. Because I won, can I go second? Yeah, if you want to choose. What is this, the NFL? You're electing to take the kickoff in the second half here? Oh, yep. okay. No, that's totally fine. We can yeah. totally do that. I'm All taking right. the so kickoff in the second Kaylee, half. Since Kaylee won the, I mean, the proverbial coin flip, we should do an actual coin flip. That'd be sweet. Yeah. There I wonder goes if my there's brilliant an app. plan to, to throw the coin flip and have you go first. <laughs> By picking a high number that was could... going to be far from the median. But that's fine. You know, it's okay. Is is there a coin flip app? I'll look it up for next time. I anyway. This is very right. important. So Dane is going to go first because Kaylee has chosen. Are you ready? Count me I'm in. Ready. When you're ready, you can count down from three and I will time you. Three, two, one. Here we go. Yeah. The most exciting grand tour of the year. Uh, it's going to be the Tour de France. Give me the Tour de France because it usually is the Tour de France. Uh, and I know that might ring some alarm bells for people who think, well, Tour de France has been controlled. There's been there's been less excitement over the past few years. But there's a couple of points here that, that need to be made. First of all, last year's tour was incredible. Uh, we, saw, we saw a great Grand Tour last year on the heels of maybe the best Grand Tour in the last three decades. So that's two Grand Tours, two Tours de France in a row that have been, that have been incredible. And... That's not a fluke. Uh, I think things are getting better. The, the the racing has gotten better. At the same time, the Tour de France always has the best riders. Plain and simple. The Tour de France has the tour the, the Grand Tour riders of note of this sport every year. They go to the Tour de France. Maybe one or two are going to go to the Giro. That's not going to change this year. We're still going to see Tadej Pogacar at the Tour de France. Primoz Roglic at the Tour de France. The best riders are going to go to the Tour de France. So if you want to see the top riders in the sport going for the top race in the sport. All right, that's time. That was good. That was good. <laughs> All right. So ready? Kaylee, are you ready for your argument? I'm so ready. You can count me in, and I will start the timer when you say go. Three, two, one, go. 
All right, the Giro d'Italia is obviously going to be the best Grand Tour of 2021. Uh, first and foremost, because we've had two Tours de France in the last two years that were among the best tours in the last, what, three, four decades? There is no way that Lightning is going to strike three times in a row. It's not going to happen. This year's Tour de France going to be terrible. We had two great ones. It's all over. There's no way we get a third amazing Tour de France in a row. Cycling just isn't that lucky. We're just not that lucky. It's not going to happen. Another important point here. The Giro is the hipsters Tour de France. The Giro is the is the band that you started watching before they got big version of the Grand Tour. That above all it's why the Giro is always going to be more exciting. Because the Tour de France, because it has all the big names, because it has all the big teams, because it has all the fanfare. Oh, that was a short minute. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually get to make my last point there. Yeah, but you get you get a whole minute to you get a whole minute to rebuttal. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. You really didn't read the rules. No, I didn't at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dane, are you ready to refute? Kaylee's argument. Absolutely, yeah. All right, count me in. <laughs> All right, three, two, one. Here we go. You kind of made the argument for me. It's the hipsters Tour de France. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we love the Giro. It's a great race. It's got history. It's beautiful. Uh, it's got style. It's not the real thing. It, it's it's the race where the riders who know they're probably not going to win the Tour go to get in a nice big win. At this point, I think it's kind of riding on prestige. We did have a great Giro d'Italia this past year. It was exciting. But if you look at the fields at the Giro d'Italia over the past 10, maybe 15 years, the Vuelta has already started outclassing the Giro, has been for years, for the field. The, the Giro is where the Italians go, the young guys, and then the guys who, ah, maybe I should make a Giro debut at some point, at the later point in my career. Let's do it now. The Tour de France is where the best riders go. If you want to see the best riders, you watch the Tour de France. If you want to see... A great race, sure. Giro d'Italia is fun, and we're definitely going to be watching. I mean, Kaylee and I both are going to be watching the Giro d'Italia for sure. But the Tour de France is what we're going to be watching with the most interest because that's the biggest race in the sport. It's going to be exciting, big names. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward in to time. it. That was great. well timed. I feel like I need to like have a watch here so I can actually keep track. I mean, you nah. could. Nah, it's fine. This is our first run of this. I'm sure that it will get more elaborate as the time goes on. Do I get to rebut now? Yes, you get to rebut. So count me in when you're ready. Just considering my rebuttal. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one. And I'm on. The thing about the Giro, though, is that everything around it is so much cooler and nicer than the Tour de France. The Tour de France is terrible to be at. You don't want to be at the Tour de France. It's too much stuff. You can't even find it. You can't even see it. It's the worst. The coffee. Have you had French coffee? French coffee is garbage. French food. I hate to break it to people. French food. If you go to a nice French restaurant, it's great. The average French restaurant is not great. Italy, on the other hand, the best food, the best coffee, the best ambiance, the most beautiful race in the most beautiful place. Isn't that the tagline? That is unbeatable. I want beauty in my Grand Tours. Enough of this Tour de France commercial malarkey. Give me Giro d'Italia. Give me life. 
I, I, That's it. That's I, your. I, I yield my time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've heard their their arguments. You've heard their rebuttals. We're taking this to Twitter. We're taking this to a Twitter poll. So go on over to Twitter. Vote for who you think is the least wronger, Kaylee or Dane, and Dane. we will announce the winner in the next episode of the Cycling Tips podcast. Also, let us know what you think the name should be because I don't even remember what Kaylee said at the beginning of this. It's really gone out of hand. It's the least uh, something about the least wronger. The, the who's the who's yeah. the who's the wrongest? Who the, yeah, who is the least wrong? We'll we'll workshop this. This is getting we'll confusing get talking about least and most wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it's very confusing. So, let us know on Twitter who you think wins this debate and also what you think this segment should be called and back to the regular regular podcast stuff i look forward to my victory no <laughs> and also dane's defeat which comes up. abby you talked to enemy van vluten should we listen to that now yeah, speaking of uh, people at team camps, I caught up with Anami Van Vluten, who is at her very first Team Movistar team camp, and she had a lot to say about her role on Movistar and how excited she is to kind of be switching it up. She's been with Mitchelton Scott for five years, which is like a very Australian team, and is now with Movistar, which is a, a very, very differently run team. Um in terms of the atmosphere is very Spanish, so it's it's very much a family atmosphere, uh, and she's she's loving it. So yeah, let's hear from Anamique. Thank you so much for for chatting with me so last minute. How has training camp been? Yeah, quite exciting. It is. Um... Exceeding my expectations on it, to be honest, um, it's always yeah a bit. Uh, and you don't know really what to expect. I had a good feeling when I signed in Movistar, and uh, it's really nice to see in this training camp that um, yeah my feeling. I had a good feeling about this, and uh, yeah, it uh, yeah it's so far going really well, and and also feel the new energy of. Um, joining a new team yeah because you've been riding for Mitchelton Scott for quite a while so coming into a new team it's not you have all of these new faces around you you have new clothes you have new bike and it's got to kind of feel a little bit like you know a kid on Christmas morning yeah it's true I make a joke like uh, the only thing that stayed the same is my Garmin it's actually not a joke it's really true because it's the only thing I have to change everything so um yeah and then also I felt like uh first day to school for me because uh, so many new people and then also they all talk in a different language so I was quite out of my comfort zone to another level uh, but that's also what I'm here for because uh, that gives me also new energy to learn a new language to new people to get to know new people from a different culture um, yeah so that's uh, and they are so warm that's also what I hope to find here in Movistar that's like a family style run team and um, 
also with uh, Eusebio, the, the manager is talking to everyone and uh, it feels really like a, a manager. I really like it. How So you mentioned different languages and something that really interests me about Movistar this year, especially compared to Mitchelton Scott and even compared to Movistar last year, is that the roster is really international this year. So can you feel that? within the team that the feeling of the team is very different this year going into this this season actually i don't hope that this is the case but i think they had a really nice how do you say base or fundament and i think i feel it's still there that i just add to this group and that it's not a completely change of of culture i think it's still really spanish culture and base um and for sure maybe me and also the other girls uh, can add something to that. But I hope it's not completely different because I think they had already their own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, in Scott, there was a bit of Australian identity and for sure I added some Dutch influence to that. <laughs> but the main important thing was Australian and here's the main is still Spanish. Uh, and yeah, that's also why I'm very motivated to learn more Spanish because then I get even more into the family, I think. Are you, I saw yesterday that you might be starting your season racing in Spain at Valencia as well. Yeah, um, I hope. So I keep my fingers crossed. But uh, like last year, I think uh, it's better not to talk too much about all the races that possibly will happen and where my goals are. Um, I just prepare and then we will see what we can race. So, um, yeah, it, uh, I, 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 we all have a big question marks if Valencia will be uh, organized. Uh, I keep my fingers crossed, but um, let's hope that we can race in the spring. That's uh, my uh, yeah, my feeling. Fingers crossed and knock on wood. <laughs> yep. So has so far in camp, has there been much crossover with the men's team? Have you been able to hang out with them at all, or or kind of interact with them at all? Because you spent a lot of time with the men's team with Middleton Scott at their training camp. Yeah, there's a lot of sometimes a bit misunderstanding that I signed with Movistar because they also have a men team, so I can train with the men. Now, yeah, that's uh, like a, ooh, I don't know five times a year. So uh, <laughs> if they're my strength, <laughs> they need to come from uh, no. Uh, I signed with uh, with Movistar um, because I really like they also have a men's team because then you profit from uh, yeah, they say like uh, that they have a performance manager where you can work uh, with like it's a, a bit more big, more facilities that are there than only if you have a, a small women's team only. You profit a bit from uh, from yeah, how they say uh, the benefits of the skill. I don't know how they say it in, in, in proper English. Um, but yeah, I joined them here too yesterday uh, and I did a team term trial training with them. Um, it's also a bit because I'm a little bit older. So then for me, it's sometimes a bit better to go a little bit more out of my comfort zone. Um, so I mix a bit up the training with the girls and with the men. So um, yesterday I was uh, completely dead uh, after six hours with the boys. So uh, I have to thank them uh, for that to uh, give me uh, a treatment of six hours out of my comfort zone. Um, but yeah, it's also cool. And it's uh, now after the incubation ter- period, because the first uh, days here in the camp, we were really uh, strict uh, that we had to be separate before um, yeah, before um, we were really sure no one had COVID. Sure, no one had COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, now we can mix up a bit. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's really nice. Uh, it's not only with me, like all the, also the other girls, and they're really open-minded, uh, the boys. 
and really uh, open to talk with us. So, um, yeah, I really like it. How long is your guys' camp? Oh, it's quite long. It's uh, 12 days. It's almost two, almost two weeks. And we end up uh, end with a team presentation. First, it was supposed uh, to be in Madrid. But now uh, it's uh, online uh, because of, of COVID. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, so 12 days of training. It's also... Um, we had a team camp planned in November, uh, but it was cancelled due to the COVID situation after the Vuelta, we should have it. So to have all the yeah, things that need to be done, like the photos and the medical tests and whatever. So we are now have that also here. So we are here. It's a combination of training and in the afternoon, some uh, other duties and jobs you have to do. So quite intense, but uh, yeah, still really good to have some here, some at least 12 days together. How is the snow in Madrid? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was not there, so I flew directly from the Netherlands. So oh, I sad. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it was not so nice for my Colombian teammates to come uh, from Colombia and then end up in the snow and get stuck there. So, um, yeah, and in the end also, Nico uh, Engelopez uh, tested positive, or, yeah, tested positive, I think, so he couldn't come at all. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit complicated for some of the, all of the people that uh, want to go here. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Sad for them, but uh, for the rest, it's uh, yeah, really good weather here in uh, Almeria. Yeah, I think we choose the right spot to go on training camp. I saw in a lot of parts of Spain, it's not so good weather, but um, here in uh, around Almeria, it's it's really good. So um, I think we had one rain day on the on the rest day, but for the rest, uh, only sun. And are you going to stick around in Spain afterwards to get ready for the rest of the season? Or are you planning to go back to the Netherlands? Now, I also like to rest and recover and catch up with my friends, usually after training camp. So uh, I go home um, and uh, to rest and recover. For, for sure, after some days uh, here, I need uh, some time to uh, recover. And uh, also, it's nice to yeah to see my friends. Uh, but uh, after I go back, yeah, I go back to Tenerife to prepare for the classic season. Hopefully. But at least I need to prepare. I need to train anyway. So, uh, yeah. And it's nice, actually, this year, uh, Katrien Alerud is also my roommate. She's also going. And Sheila Gutierrez are joining me in Tenerife. So uh, we continue with a small uh, part of the team that is uh, that's going there. Not to jinx the season, because you said you don't want to plan too far with the racing. But are there any races that you, you really hope happen and that you're really excited for in 2021? Besides maybe the Olympics? Yeah, it's not much new, to be honest. Yeah, I was quite excited for Valencia because it's a new race just to start for my new team in the clothes of Movistar in Spain. I was quite excited with a new race, uh, but that maybe will not happen. Um, yeah, then I'm quite excited to race Strade Bianca. Um, I love that race. It will be in March a different edition than last year's edition in the tropical heat. Um, I really love that race, uh, although I also hate it in the race because it's so stressful, but in the final it's nice. If you, once you arrive to Siena, it's, uh, it's quite cool. Um, yeah, and then uh, it's Flanders and uh, the Ardennes week. So, um, and also I have to say I look forward to May uh, to race uh, for my team for Movistar uh, in Spain. Uh, with now also having the World Tour uh, Vuelta Burgos, which is also a new race. And uh, yeah. I really like uh, to have some new races on the calendar, so I'm quite happy. I'm sure you've gotten this question already, but how how do you feel about the Giro Rosa not being World Tour this year? Um, I think it's uh, maybe a good sign uh, and a good message to the organization that they maybe, if they want to be back World Tour, they need to step up. 
because they didn't meet uh, the requirements. Um, okay, and last year was a special year was already really good, I think. They were able to organize uh, in the COVID situation was really hard. So shout out to them that they still organized the Giro Rosa race. But um, in the end, um, I think already before they should uh, have television online or live streaming. And uh, yeah, if this is the requirements of the World Tour, then people or the organization should meet these requirements. Otherwise, you're not to World Tour anymore. So I think it's quite good that they uh, yeah stick to uh, the stick to. Uh, the rules and uh, the regulations. Um, and in the end, yeah, it's still important stage race for us. So for the, for the riders, it will not, uh, make a big difference. I think, um, it's still a really beautiful, uh, stage race, but, uh, I hope it's a alarm for the organization that they need to step up and meet the requirements if they want to be world tour again. Are there any races for the women that aren't world tour that you think? that you think should be world tour or you think are on the same level as like a world tour race? Uh, no, no, more races that I think that are world tour that should not be world tour. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, right. London, for example, I don't know actually if it's still world tour, but like that, uh, yeah, it needs to be, uh, yeah, actually I don't care so much about if it's world tour or not. So that's for me, but I said like for the same for Giro Rosa, that should be world tour because it's a big race, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't care so much. I also don't care about the classment of the world tour. Um, I think, yeah, it's, uh, just about winning beautiful races and what kind of level is that? It's also not there as for us, uh, 10,000 of euros prize money difference <laughs> to make it way more interesting or way less interesting. So I don't see really the difference. So, um, no, uh, for me, it's about, uh, the history of the race that have the impact, uh, if it's on television or not, uh, if it's on the same day with the men or in the same weekend, uh, gives it more, more impact mm-hmm. and more nice. And you can feel that if it's shown live on television, it has more impact and, more people uh, enjoy uh, the race and, and um, yeah, want to talk with, with you about it. So that's that's really nice to feel. So that's, that's for me, when it's an important race, the sticker yeah. that they put on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final question is, are, are you hoping to really take a leadership role in the team like other than physically, but also you're one of the more experienced riders on the team and the team is generally a a pretty young team. So are you planning to kind of take on mentoring them a little bit and and teaching them a little bit of what you've been doing for the past however many years winning races? Yeah, I'm not thinking about teaching them uh, because I don't feel I need to teach them, but I would like to inspire them. Yeah. Uh, that's my goal. And, and that also will give me energy. So, um, I can give an example. Uh, there's a really young girl that, uh, is also new to the team, Sarah Martin. And she was last year second in the, in the time trial in the Spanish championships. And yeah, I see a lot of talent. And, um, so then it's so nice. And I'm also really proud that she's my teammate this year, uh, because I already had some nice talks and, and you feel that, um, yeah, you, have, you get a good connection and uh, someone get maybe even more motivated or you share something about, uh, I share something about my experience in, in the past. I also do it with my roommate, Katrin Aalerud. And um, 
Yeah, for me, it's that I started cycling is all still so not so long ago. Uh, I started quite late, so I can still remember my struggles in the beginning also. And I'm not scared to share them. Actually, I'm, I'm very keen to share them, to help them. And um, yeah, to give them confidence that, uh, yeah, never stop believing in yourself. And uh, yeah, um, that there's so much more possible if you enjoy the um, the training and you... You start, yeah, you, you keep enjoying the rides and the training and the process. And yeah, you never know where it will end. So um, yeah, I like to inspire them, not teach them anything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and have an awesome rest of your camp. And fingers crossed for some really great racing. Yeah, thanks, Abby. I'm glad to talk to you again. All right, moving on. It's time for Nerd Alert. 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 Now, of course, we do not have James here with us today. He's off skiing or something like that. But we do have Ronan, and we have the rest of us. But uh, without James, we decided to take a slightly more, I don't know, lighthearted, less techie topic for today. It's going to be a short Nerd Alert, but we do have a, a bit of a... Of tech news here, which <laughs> is that be a short nerd alert. <laughs> Abby doesn't like this idea at all, but we're going and we're doing it anyway. Shoddy, what are we talking about? We're talking about a certain Mr. Joe Biden and him not allowed to have his Peloton. Why he's got a bloody Peloton? I don't know. He's not allowed his okay, Peloton okay, bike okay, okay. in the White House. Peloton because- bikes are awesome. First of all, Peloton is great. I'm I'm a big fan. The workouts are super fun. Uh, it's a, it's an awesome community, much like Zwift. And it's like an all-around workout. You know, you, you do like the push-ups on the bar and like the, the Peloton instructors are always really, really fun. It, they're like, they seek out people that you're like, oh, I would love to be your friend. My best friend Becca and I, who potted together, we like we like quarantined together. We did this one workout that was super fun. That was a dance workout. Great fun, yeah. So this is why Joe Biden loves his Peloton so much. He's he's it's the dance workouts. He's yeah. He's part of the community. This is a community Peloton community. Anyway, continue. Why can't he have, have his Peloton? Can I just start off by saying that there is other indoor riding platforms available. <laughs> We've heard so much about Peloton. I, I, I just rag on it because of that advert they did last Christmas where that fella bought his girlfriend or wife a bike. He just said, oh, oh That dear. was really funny. Cringe. That was, was not great. Funny. That was not great. The best thing about that ad was then the, the ad that Ryan Reynolds made right afterwards for his gin company <laughs> with the same actress. Shoddy, why can't he, why can't President Joe Biden, why can't, he bring his Peloton into the White House. It's a high security risk. Apparently, it goes that hard on it that it could cause a fire. But no, it's it, it it's because it's got cameras. It's uh, an internet connected device, so they reckon people could hack into it, and there's cameras there could see him sweating, get dodgy pictures of him not looking at his best. But no, yeah, it's it's all down to a, a security risk. So we thought we'll. Um, Try and give him some buying advice. Let him know what his other options are. Yeah, there's plenty of options out there for you, Joe. Uh, I think that something without a camera is probably key, right? That you can hook up your White House approved 
uh, terrible PC computer without a camera attached to it. Ronan, what should Joe Biden bring to the White House? What 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 options does he have here? Let's assume that he doesn't have another bike that he wants to ride. He doesn't want a trainer. Maybe like a like a stationary bike. Like who makes a stationary bike that Joe can bring into the White House? There is, of course, walk bike, uh, which he could use. Uh, you just set your iPad on it. I'm sure his iPads are highly encrypted and nobody can break into those, I assume. Um, but for me, really, the bigger question is, I, I presume he's okay to bring his Peloton shoes into the White House. <laughs> That's true. Ronan is our chief indoor shoe correspondent. So what do we know about his shoe availability and shoe options for his indoor cycling needs? Well, um, if you just happen to go over to the cyclingtips.com website, there's a wealth of information on choosing indoor shoes, uh, of which the Peloton shoes features on. Uh, we haven't got very much information on the Peloton shoes, but uh, yeah, I'm sure you know President-elect Biden is a frequent visitor to, to cyclingtips.com and also has probably read through that article multiple times at this point. We've been getting a strange, a strange amount of traffic from the D.C. area, so I, I, I would say that that's very likely. Yeah. Now, I, I, we, we shouldn't go down the route of that. Is because he's an old fella. He's probably remember the good old days of rollers. Because I would absolutely <laughs> love to see a picture of him on a set of rollers, balancing there, keeping upright, spinning away. Joe like Biden on old... some Chryslers. That would be amazing. Yeah, like a proper old track sprinter or a nice Kieran rider. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure somebody out there could Photoshop Joe Biden onto a set of rollers for us. If you have that ability, tweet us. We will we will retweet you. <laughs> what I don't understand is like Michelle Michelle Obama had a has a Peloton. She had her Peloton in the White House. So have they just gotten that much more high tech in the last four years? I think so. I don't. I don't. I didn't ever. I never tried an early Peloton. Did the early Pelotons have like cameras and stuff on them and whatever else? Because maybe that's an option for for President Elect Biden. She can. Ju- he can just like yeah, one. remove the camera and the microphone. Yeah. And and the the homing equipment. My dad had a really, really nice stationary bike that was just like uh, bronze colored and was just, you know, one of those super, 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 super old school stationary bikes. We could get him one of those. Yeah, I'm just picturing I'm just picturing Biden on one of those like with the big fan and the, the arm handles that move with the pedals, you know, one of those classics. I think that would be a great option for him. Unfortunately, not generally internet connected, those particular bikes. Anyway, I think we've talked about this for long enough. The news here, Joe Biden can't take his Peloton to the White House. We think he should probably bring, you know, like a Watt bike or a Stages bike or something like that. Plenty of options for you. Just get a normal home trainer, Joe. This is like the most narrow advice we've ever given it. It's like, <laughs> but hey, it's a big bloke. This is just, bloke. Dave, I liked your rollers suggestion. You know, just get a set of rollers, set them between one of the door frames, and away you go. And his big desk. <laughs> yeah. Or, or put one a mattress on either side. And, you know, within weeks we'll have, <laughs> we'll have videos of Joe Biden, you know, taking tubes over his head and underneath the wheels, and it'll be amazing. <laughs> well, as always, the Cycling Tips podcast, a, a bastion of helpful consumer advice. So if you 
out there are concerned about your ability to take your Peloton into the White House, you now have options, and you're welcome. Hey, it's, it can be for anybody in a high-security environment, really, not just Joe. Yeah, exactly. There is always a chance that President Trump will leave his Fisher-Price smart cycle trainer. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> and with that, we're calling it a day. <laughs> No, I I can't with you people. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy your riding. Stay safe out there. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Maybe. Unless we get shut down by the FBI. They're busy. They're they're busy taking cameras out of Joe's bike. (laughs) The end. The end.